to One Move at a Time, the U.S. Chess Podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area, one move at a time. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess Podcasts, which include cover stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, in which I go more in-depth with each month's cover story, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, and that is hosted by our Women's Program Director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant Director of National Events, Pete Karianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org or by subscribing via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's podcast. Our guests today on this May edition of One Move at a Time represent the Mechanics Chess Club in San Francisco, California. Abel Talmantez is the chess room director, a position he has held since 2018, and Judith Starre is the general manager of youth outreach and events, a position she started in last year. Founded in 1854, the Mechanics Institute is one of the oldest institutions on the West Coast of the United States. Its mission is to provide a center for intellectual and cultural advancement. Located in the Financial District of San Francisco, it serves individuals and families throughout the Bay Area. The Mechanics Institute building houses the oldest continuously operating chess club in the United States. The club offers a variety of activities for players of all abilities, including tournaments, lectures, lessons, and casual play. It also provides free chess classes to hundreds of San Francisco public school students each week. Abel has been a U.S. Chess delegate from Northern California since 2017 and is a current member of our U.S. Chess Clubs Committee and a former member of the Outreach Committee. Judith is the current chair of the U.S. Chess Clubs Committee and a member of the Scholastic Council and a former vice chair of the Accessibility and Special Circumstances Committee. U.S. Chess named her the 2017 Organizer of the Year, and then in 2018, she won the Chess Club of the Year. Welcome to One Move at a Time, Judith and Abel. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Ben. No, I did, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you, and I think this will be a fun discussion. Um, let's start with your chess backgrounds. Uh, Judith, and let's start with you, and I'm, I'm especially interested in your scientific background from Hungary and, and how that led to you getting involved in the chess world. Well, I'm a typical chess parent, as you would put it. Um, my daughter started to be interested in chess, get interested in chess. And I said, well, let's wait for your father. He will teach you. But um, naturally, I got involved with her um, chess learning. And we started bringing her to tournaments. And I started volunteering. And that's how I got to chess. Um, That was uh, right around the time when we got here to California. Previously, we uh, lived in North Carolina um, and back in Hungary. Um, yeah, I ori- I'm originally a scientist, a chemist, and I've been in uh, research, uh, uh, cancer research and physical chemistry research for 15 years before uh, coming to California where I was um, a stay-at-home mom and then I was a data scientist at the University of the Pacific. 
And um, yeah, we, I was just l- volunteering a lot. And uh, and then at uh, one point in 2014, I actually changed careers and just become my professional uh, full-time job. So I'm very lucky and uh, fortunate to have this position. I got to ask you, which is more vicious, the politics in the scientific world or in the chess world? <laughs> uh, well, uh, certainly the chess world. Um, for, for that, a little bit, I, I'm longing to go back to um, science. Um, things a little bit easier there, but, but at the same time, the passion um, comes through. I think every heated conversation that um, people have, it just proves the passion of chess and passion for chess uh, throughout the community. So that can be a good thing, right? And we should try to find the good thing in everything. Boy, that was spoken like a true chess politician. Very good. (laughs) Um, So, Abel, what about you? I know you have a much harder chess background. Yeah, I I think I have the opposite of Judith's background. Like, I have no scientific background whatsoever. (laughs) But uh, but so I used to be a chess player when I was uh, younger. Uh, I started when I was 12. Uh, I got a chess set for Christmas and then kind of like taught myself. Uh, but like 15 years old, I was like a 2000 level player. So I was like playing tournaments uh, actively. And then, uh, towards the end of high school, I kind of stopped playing. And, uh, you know, once I started uh, college and uh, career, um, I actually stopped altogether. I had a career in the healthcare industry. And then, uh, after 16 years working uh, in the same place, uh, I kind of had this motivation and drive to do something different, do something that was like more creative and, uh, could impact people a little bit more. So I actually made the decision to, to quit that job and start my own uh, chess business, uh, which was called Castling Kids and what I did in 2012. Uh, and basically, we taught in uh, after-school programs in the uh, local schools, it started here in San Jose and just kind of extended to the Bay Area. And uh, just found a lot of joy and passion in, in kind of doing that. And then uh, in around 2014, that's when uh, I first met Judith, actually. And then we talked about kind of like forming an alliance. And so the 30 school relationships that I had, uh, we kind of brought uh, brought it together with uh, Barry Chess where we worked together. And that's how we kind of came together. So then, so I brought all my schools and coaches, and then I ran the enrichment programs uh, with her as executive director of Barry Chess. Okay. And as chess director at the at the mechanics, what are your specific duties? So uh, it's an interesting position because um, what what a lot of people don't realize is that the Mechanics Institute is it's it's a cultural arts center and the chess club is a part of that center. So we have this beautiful library. Uh, we have an events department and uh, you know it, it's it's a whole operation. So my duties as chess director there, um, it's kind of maintain the club because the club's actually open seven days a week. Uh, people can come in and play casual games, study, partake in our free classes. Um, and then, you know, we have our regular events. So kind of my job is to kind of work with the executive director and the chess committee, uh, kind of develop you know, kind of a vision for what we're doing and then uh, executing that vision through our tournaments, our classes, our events. Um, And then most recently, kind of building an online presence, uh, building our online community um, and just finding ways where we can uh, extend mechanics beyond the building. Uh, And that's what we're doing with our with our channel, with our our streaming, our broadcasting of events, Uh, just kind of 
trying to bring the brand of mechanics out into the community. So, um, so it's not just left for people to have to come to downtown San Francisco to experience it. They can experience it in many other ways. And I imagine, Judith, that what Abel just talked about, it, it falls very much under your uh, duties as general manager of youth outreach and events. Is, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I, I like to joke that um, I think our, our positions at Mechanics fits our abilities uh, good. Uh, Abel is a fantastic leader and he, he interacts with departments and the leadership and and he has a lot of uh, patience and energy and, and uh, people skill, I would say. And um, I'm good in details. I'm good in, in data and, and uh, um, website and everything. So I'm designing the tournaments, uh, designing the event calendar, and, and uh, just taking care of the events uh, and communicating with the players uh, in email and customer service, as well as uh, my job is to develop the scholastic uh, offerings uh, for mechanics. Uh, John Donaldson's era and during Do John Donaldson's uh, years, uh, Nick DeFermian has developed a free um, offerings free classes at San Francisco public schools. And what I did is I took that and and kept those schools as well as started offering fee-based uh, programming, fee-based classes at uh, schools. So we are growing the scholastic community inside San Francisco and a little bit of outside Northern Peninsula and uh, start offering them um, channels to practice and play chess, um, started offering scholastic tournaments at the Mechanics Institute. I mean, can you imagine those young kids come to the historic building and we can tell them, hey, world champions have been here and play chess so it's a lot of fun and let's continue with with you judith um before we talk about some other things that i'm interested in uh about what you're doing at the mechanics that are directly related to our u.s chess mission statement uh you know the question in front of all of us right now is how to deal with the covid crisis and social distancing what has the mechanics been doing specifically to uh to deal with this and, and keep yourself solvent um, well, it's obvious, but it's frightening at the same time for many. The obvious choice is to do online activities, online classes, online tournaments. And, and I'm really lucky to work with uh, coaches and, um, and the staff who are not afraid to make this step. So we transitioned our classes to online uh, classes. I have coaches coaching um, during the weekdays, in the afternoons. So we have um, Zoom calls, um, and and uh, they are teaching over um, um, screen sharing and sharing um, digital board, and and the kids enjoy it. It seems um, as well as start offering tournaments. Uh, there are many platforms out there. Uh, everyone should choose uh, whatever platform they want. And let me promote, um, there will be a webinar later today and that will be recorded and put on U.S. Chess's uh, YouTube channel, which we are covering how to run online tournaments. So whoever is afraid and they haven't done it, just tune in and listen to it and start doing it because that's, um, that's how you can bring communities together and stay in touch keep in touch and 
frankly, what I, we have seen and we have experienced is beyond our imagination. It's beyond anything we could have expected. Um, I, we are interacting with our regular club members almost daily over over the online platform. We are watching their games. We are excited uh, about uh, certain uh, pairings that the system uh, brings, right, Abel? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So it's it's a lot of fun, and so we ended up offering um, daily online tournaments for the regular players, and uh, we have uh, four tournaments for scholastic players, um, and uh, we are thinking about actually offering a little bit more. And we just decided a week ago that um, the annual free San Francisco Scholastic Championship we are going to organize it online. And we are going to award trophies, but it's um, it usually attracts um, two, 250, 300 kids. Um, it's completely free for anyone to attend. And uh, so that had to be canceled, unfortunately, because it's end of uh, it was scheduled for end of March. And uh, we are going to be uh, holding online um, March tw- uh, May 23rd, uh, Saturday. And it's a free event for everyone. So come participate in San Francisco Scholastic Championship. Okay, well, that that's great. And and I hope for some of the smaller clubs that are out there listening that may not have the resources, I, I, I still think that a lot of what you just described is transferable to clubs that, you know, are just local and, you know, maybe only have 20 or, or so members. And as, as we talk um, about other things the Mechanics Club is doing, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it focused on during normal times because um, yes. <laughs> everything we could, we could turn around to a COVID discussion. So, Abel, tell us what makes the Mechanics Club special? Uh, obviously, the history is a big part of that, but I'm going to let you answer the question in full. Yeah, no, uh, thank you for that opportunity. Uh, I mean, one of the things that is is very present when you walk in is you get a sense of the history when you walk into that club. Uh, but the one thing that that's, you really feel is that there's a true chess community there. So you have the club regulars, you have the people that have been there before and then have an affinity towards the club. Um, and it, it all really comes together and, uh, you know, it really plays out when we have our events there, especially our Tuesday night marathon, which is kind of the, the flagship event, uh, for the mechanics Institute. It's one game every Tuesday night. It's FIDE rated. Um, we get, you know, a hundred, 120 players every Tuesday, uh, but when you show up that night, um, you really get a sense of the players feeling that this is their club, this is their haven, uh, this is what they they look forward to, and you feel that uh, you feel that respect, that you know that that joy of being there. Uh, even when the games are over, they go into a skittles room and analyze the game and socialize and talk. It's really a club, not only about the games, but uh, about the social aspect of it. And even with uh, everything going on now with uh, COVID and us transferring our club online, those same players have followed to the online club and they're active socializing in the chat and they show up, you know, frequently and play the event. And it's just, it's a real honor and a pleasure for us to really be a part of that because it goes hand in hand with the historic nature of the building, but just people feel a connection to the building that extends and you see uh, during live play and, and on our online play as well. 
How many members does the your your the chess club at Mechanics have, Abel? So when you're a member of the Mechanics Institute, you're you're a member of the whole institute as a whole, not separately, just the chess club. So uh, I think we have around uh, four or 5,000 members of the actual institute, uh, which is uh, primarily a membership library, a uh, beautiful library, by the way. And uh, so, you know, those members go not just to subsidize, you know, the building and the services that we offer, but also, you know, the other things like the library and our events. There's a lot of, you know, lit- literary events, cultural events, uh, uh, we even have a cinema lit department that runs events. So they show movies and, you know, do popcorn and, and uh, food and things like that. So it, it's all one thing. And the chess is honored to be a part of all that. And do the, uh, do the funds, is it essentially self-sufficient or does the city of San Francisco contribute or state of California? Yeah. So it's uh, a part of it is uh, the membership uh, uh, fees, but uh, so the library occupies the second and third floor of the institute. Uh, the the chess room is the fourth floor. Uh, the fifth floor is administrative offices, uh, but the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth floors um, is uh, is office space that that is uh, rented out. So a lot of businesses, you know, like you know, law firms and uh, tax and you know, nonprofits uh, have their offices in the building, as well as on the bottom there is a. Uh, uh, there's a bar next door and there's a clothing shop that's the Mechanics Institute uh, owns and they rent that space out. So uh, one of the strengths of the Mechanics Institute is that the Institute owns the, the whole building outright. And uh, so we provide, uh, we get the rental income as well as the membership uh, dues to kind of support the Institute as well as uh, uh, the endowment that we have. And as we're talking about the uh, the history of, of the mechanics, Abel, uh, talk a little bit about international master John Donaldson's legacy, because a lot of people uh, thought about him and the mechanics almost in the same same uh, breath. <laughs> and he, he was there for quite a while, right? And did he have the same title that you currently hold? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have the same title uh, that he held. He was the chess director. Uh, he was the longest serving chess director because he, he had it for 20 years. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, the mechanics is synonymous with, uh, John Donaldson and, uh, uh, he is, uh, an absolute, uh, historian of chess in the game, probably the most foremost chess historian in the country. And, uh, one of the things that really hits, it, it hit me when I first walked in there is, uh, uh, the Mechanics Institute, especially the chess room, has a lot of pictures in, in various places. And he can tell the story of every single picture um, and then stories on top of that to boot. Um, and uh, the one thing that uh, that I really uh, feel honored about him is that uh, he's still connected to the club even today. So uh, uh, he would stop by every few weeks. Um, if there is a book that gets released that he thinks would be beneficial for the library to have. Uh, he'll send me an email, say, Hey, you, you know, you should think about this book and adding it to the library or, and he'll just like randomly hit me up on, you know, asking, you know, how's, how's everything going and, and chiming in. So, you know, it's great that he's connected to the club, but also, you know, kind of, you know, mentoring me in, in, in a way to make sure that, uh, you know, 
while I'm in charge of like the day-to-day operations of what's going on there, if there's anything in the chess world that he thinks that might benefit for me to be aware of, he'll kind of send me that info. So uh, it's great that we, you know, he's still connected in that way and is a big help to to me and the club. So, uh, Judith, when things were normal and we weren't in this new normal, <laughs> talk about the free classes that the mechanics offered for public schools in the San Francisco area. That that speaks very directly to the U.S. Chess Mission. Yes, so Mechanics Institute Chess Club is fortunate to have um, sponsors and uh, and funds uh, to support coaches and send coaches to these schools. They either go to uh, schools during their lunch break or right after school. And basically, we are trying to find schools that we can make the most impact. Um, so schools that are um, low-income uh, normally low-income families and uh, would not be able to afford chess education and chess classes otherwise. So our, our wonderful coaches, they go there and they teach the kids. They uh, teach the kids how to play chess. They play with them and analyze their games. It's a lot of fun. It also brings um, us uh, together in terms of our Mechanics Institute's mission, um, as well as um, the chess, U.S. chess mission. We are proud to contribute to that. Um, it's uh, We serve huge, around 20 schools currently. And uh, with an average um, size of anywhere between 10 to 30 kids um, at each schools. And how do you, uh, who do you send in there? Do you have coaches that are on the mechanics payroll or are, are they hired more as independent contractors? Um, they are, uh, so we are sending coaches who are on their, on our payroll, um, current, uh, regulations require, uh, any organizations, uh, that are, um, which in chess business, they require the organizations to be, um, on an, an employee. So they are part-time employees, uh, but, um, mechanics Institute is, um, does have the coaches on, on their payroll. And and talk a little bit, Judith, about the demographics of the uh, San Francisco public school system. Uh, in my mind, San Francisco is one of the most expensive areas in the country to live. So I don't. I'm just assuming that these are tend to be high income kids, but I may be completely wrong. Uh, actually, so there is a very clear division between those high income families, but they uh, tend to. Um, live in high-end neighborhoods, and those uh, public schools are are great, but they actually don't need these free chess classes, right? They can, we can, we would go there, offer fee-based programming, and we would send our best coaches. But really, we are trying to prioritize the free classes in those neighborhoods who are low income, and uh, and the parents are are really struggling with the high expenses that San Francisco, unfortunately, has. So they are really struggling to meet ends meet. And so um, the demographic is usually uh, Latino or um, or other um, other backgrounds, but primarily low-income families. So these kids, they, they are very grateful f- to have this and parents. And we are getting those emails um, every week that they are grateful for uh, for these offerings. And I know 
principals are are seeing direct results as um, as a result of these free offerings. So. And let, let's take it in a different direction, Abel, and talk a bit about some of the high level uh, power events you've had at the mechanics. Uh, for example, I'm thinking about your rapid last year that was held in conjunction with the pro chess league finals when you even had uh caruana playing at your event <laughs> yeah that, that was that was a fun one that came together in a, in a in a crazy way so just a few months before when i first started there uh one of the things we did is uh we kind of wanted to keep the historic nature of the club present but we also kind of wanted to leap uh, and embrace kind of like the modern age so um, we started running uh, our special events. Uh, ten, we brought 10 DGT boards. So we, so our Tuesday night marathon, we would broadcast the games uh, online. Uh, the players and the members of the club were loving that. And we were doing that. And then we got the opportunity that uh, we were told that the Pro Chess League was looking to hold the finals in San Francisco and that they were looking for a venue to uh, you know, hold some, some uh, special events. And the way it started was they reached out to us and said, you know, we see that you've been, you know, broadcasting games. We think that's really cool. Um, we're going to have John Ludwig Hammer come down and maybe he can play in an event there. And, uh, you know, we can kind of like, you know, drum up some, uh, uh, you, know, you know, promotional uh, opportunities there. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I have, you know, uh, connections around here of players we can invite and you know there's a lot of talent here in the bay area and uh so that it started going in, in that direction and then we were starting to get some commitments from some ims and a couple of gms that were local and then uh it sort of blew up that um uh, christian carilla who's, who's a good friend of ours uh reached out and said hey i'm coming down to san francisco you know we should you know have dinner or something and then I said, that sounds fantastic. I go, is, is Fabi going to be with you? Because uh, I know he was, you know, his second, you know, and, and helping him train, uh, you know, for the world championship and what have you. And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, hey, ask him if he'll play in this rapid championship that we're kind of organizing. And, you know, he said, yeah, let me get back to you in like 10 minutes. And then he said, yeah, he'll do it. So I said, that's fantastic. And this was literally like the day before the event. And so we put it up on social media that, uh, hey, you know, Fabiano is going to play in the event. And then it just completely blew up. And then like every team that was playing in the Pro Chess League final was having their players play in the event. Uh, everyone wanted to play in the event. And uh, we were able to put it together, I actually reached out to Judith and said, hey, you know, this is happening. You know, she wasn't uh, working at mechanics yet. And then it. Uh, and she said, you know, she'd come down and, and help out. And it was just an amazing, fantastic event. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we broadcast it. Uh, we had live commentary. We were already doing live commentary for, you know, special events. Uh, but it was kind of fun that it all really came together. It's almost like the, the, what we had uh, instilled the previous few months was in preparation for this big event. And then it, it went off great. And then ever since then, like our, our special events, we've been broadcasting and uh, uh, putting up online with commentary. It's, it's been a lot of fun. And I think the players really enjoy 
watching events from the Mechanics Institute that they're able to experience them uh, from home. And looking towards the future, uh, Abel, I I know you were supposed to have the uh, 2020 Cadet Championship at, at the Mechanics, and unfortunately, we had to cancel that because of, of the current situation. Yeah. Uh, any other plans that, that the Mechanics is hoping to bring some of these national events that have typically been on the East Coast? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we organized the uh, U.S. Amateur Team West, so uh, we held that event in February. It was it was absolutely phenomenal. We had about 270 players, and, and that was also, we broadcast on 20 DGT boards and did live commentary and analysis, and, and that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of uh, growth-minded. Uh, we would love to bring national events and organize national events. Uh, you know, things are a little bit different now, but uh, but even, you know, even whatever event we're looking to do, um, it's something that we have to, you know, set up a budget, run through uh, our committee and get advice and input. Um, so we have a whole process we have to go through. But we are very interested in organizing uh, national events because uh, uh, we have the capability to do it. And Judith, you know, as, as people are playing at the at the mechanics, I, I know that you've been involved uh, on the accessibility committee, and the mechanics has made a point of making accessibility arrangements at the club. Talk, talk a bit about how you've gone about doing that, and and maybe also talk about San Francisco regulations about this and how that might fit into it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean. The Accessibility Committee is led by Janelle Lossoff and uh, currently chaired by, uh, co-chaired or by um, Martha Underwood. Um, both of them are very good friends of mine and I uh, enjoyed very much working with them and putting together the handbook for the accessibility guidelines. Um, and I made, a, I made a point of actually testing our theory and whatever we actually put in the put in the handbook we would uh, we would try it out and and test it and see how it looks and how it it works um, so mechanics institute the the building itself is accessible which i don't actually know a lot about uh, city regulations so i'm not the best person to talk about that but it is accessible and so we have actually regularly have people in wheelchair who can come and play at our tournaments obviously there are accommodation that we have to make and if i know that a certain uh, player is coming i would take uh, we would go about and and help them remove the chair or pair them and put them on the end of the end of the table end of the row um, as well as recently about a year ago or so maybe a little bit less than a year ago we we had a, a blind player join our club and it was really fun uh, i'm uh, we have learned a lot from lucas and uh, and it's really gave us a lot of confidence to be able to serve players with uh, with uh, disabilities and specifically blind players. So at the beginning, we were all, okay, how do we do this? And I know we developed the guidelines and everything. And but we it took a few a few events to kind of really get into the practice of 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 doing that because he uses a braille set. 
So I need we need to find a, a table which has a little bit more space so that he is not only um, using the board or his opponent using the board, but he needs to have a braille set next to it, which is a little bit bigger than a score sheet, obviously. And um, and also just to explain the uh, opponents. We are actually currently at the point where most of our regular players actually have played him. So everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah we know, we know the drill, and and so everyone welcomes um, uh, welcomes Lucas. But these are just a few examples where I'm I'm really proud to work at Mechanics because we do focus on each and every player as a person, um, and person comes first, and and. To be frank, disability comes second. Uh, so yes, we are trying to serve everyone uh, to the best of our abilities, and and we are really glad that we have a very diverse um, diverse uh, members of these clubs, and they come and play regularly. Does this answer your question? It, it does. <laughs> and if any of our listeners have uh, are, are interested in uh, how accessibility can work at chess tournaments, this would be a good time for me to mention that just a few months ago, we posted on uschess.org a PDF document um, about uh, accessibility guidelines from US Chess. And I, I should also mention, too, uh, in, in a similar vein, since, Judith, you're the <laughs> chair of the clubs committee right now, that we also just posted a, a guide to running a successful chess club. Uh, that's also a PDF available on uschess.org. So um, th- these are all things that we're, we're, we're putting out there to try to make our members' lives uh, easier. Um, uh, was there anything you wanted to add about that one, Judith? Uh, no, I, I just want to give credit because we, we worked on that um, uh, guidelines uh, to a successful chess club. It's really a, a handbook of, if you're thinking about starting a chess club, take that handbook and put it into good use and and start a chess club if you're thinking about it. And it was a lot of fun working. Uh, um, Abel is on that subcommittee as well as Paul Covington and Sophia Rhodes from New York and Paul from Colorado. And and uh, thank you too as well. Uh, you gave a lot of uh, good input in that um, handbook and made it so beautiful. And, and now it's uh, available um, and um, US Chess is amazing support. So I, I really love volunteering our time to make these useful uh, resources for chess uh, players and chess organizers. And and again, tune into those webinar because hopefully we will um, explain whatever it's in that handbook and hopefully you can start your chess club as well. Right. You said that webinar was going to be posted to the US Chess YouTube channel. Uh, just People just search on YouTube for U.S. Chess and you will find our channel. And Judy, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the show, but what what is the date that that's going to be uh, it's, done? It's actually today. Today at uh, 5.30 uh, Pacific time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Unfortunately, it's closed uh, because it's full or unfortunately or fortunately for us, um, it's, uh, it's closed uh, so no one can register anymore uh, because it's full. But uh, again, it will be recorded and put it up and our contact information will be there. Uh, big kudos to Ryan Velas, who's the uh, liaison for the uh, clubs committee. Um, uh, EBA liaison, executive board liaison, and uh, he supported our our efforts in this, and he's also going to be a panelist, so he's going to help me uh, make this webinar possible. 
Okay, so by the time people uh, listen to this, uh, the, this show will be dropping on May 12th. It should already be on our YouTube channel on US Chess, so great. So, so guys, I've um, uh, as I researched the Mechanics Club, I found a lot of information, and I only asked you questions about the things that, that were particularly interesting to, to me, and we, we've had a good show to to date, uh, I'm going to kind of give you a more open-ended opportunity to talk. Abel, is there anything we didn't talk about uh, regarding the mechanics that you want our listeners to know about? No, you know, it's just, I, I guess for me, the important thing and kind of the joy of being, you know, a part of Mechanics Institute and, and now part of its history is that, you know, it, it's really a comprehensive chess club, not just in terms of offering chess services, but it's really a place where communities can come together, uh, where communities can come express themselves and be a part of something. And you feel that thread through our classes, uh, through our tournaments, through our lectures, through our events. You know, the Mechanics Institute itself was sort of uh, founded as a place that would provide special educational opportunities for artisans and craftsmen and inventors of San Francisco. That's, that's, that's what the term means for the mechanics and sort of for us being able to provide the free programs that we do. So we provide free programs for kids on Saturdays. We provide a free class for you know, women and girls on, on Sundays. We provide free classes for adults and then all the programs we do in our schools. Um, one of the things that we know for sure is that when barriers are kind of removed for people to participate, you get a more representative sample of, of people playing chess than you would see if it's just, you know, fee-based and, you know, people couldn't access it, they couldn't afford the tournament entry fee or they couldn't afford the class. And so for us to provide, to eliminate those barriers by providing the free classes we do, we see a lot more people engaged in learning chess and participating that otherwise would not have the opportunity. So it's kind of, I'm proud that Mechanics Institute Chess Club is able to kind of provide the original mechanics mission of which the Institute was founded uh, to provide that to our chess playing community. And uh, it, you know, it, it's nice to see everyone, uh, at least at mechanics, you know, that there's an opportunity available and if they want to play, they can come to play. We've given scholarships to people, uh, f- even for our camps, uh, if they need that opportunity. So uh, I just love being a part of that. And uh, it all comes together as, as one thing. Well, excellent. And Judith, I'm going to give you the same question and uh, uh, the final word is, as well. What, what have it we talked about that you want our listeners to know about the mechanics? I really enjoy connecting with other organizations around the nation and mechanics. Uh, obviously, the name is known and the history. Uh, but uh, what I really enjoy is is making these connections, making these collaborations uh, possible. Not only when uh, other organizers and other players are coming to the club and visit and realize that, okay, our two clubs can can uh, collaborate and connect. And we had um, coach from Bahama and coach from um, uh, Florida and a coach from Hawaii uh, visit us and, and making these connections, but online as well. And during these times, we had, uh, we had club matches with, uh, with Hampton Roads uh, Chess, um, Scholastic Chess Association, Christina Schweitz. We had um, 
we had Charlotte Chess Club, we had St. Louis and Marshall, and Marshall was the first one. And it's a funny story, the, the one of the board members' son is a good chess player, and they were actually last summer at Mechanics. And we just sat down, started talking, and that's how the whole idea of having a joint um, club match, online club match, and bring our two communities together. And I think that if, if there's one message that I would like to relate to any organization out there and any chess player and chess organizer is to, to work on these collaborations, work on these um, reaching out to other, organ, uh, other communities because that's how we can grow and that's how chess will be more, uh, more powerful because we can we can unite and the whole United States can be one big chess club, right? Yes. And on that note, uh, Judith uh, Stare and Abel Talamentez, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing what you've been doing at Mechanics. Thank you for your support of the U.S. Chess Federation. It's, it's appreciated on our end and we, we love the good work you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Dan, and and big big kudos to U.S. Chess Federation as well. I think they are facing a um, um, tough time, but uh, everything they are doing is is uh, really good and uh, and a lot of work. And people don't know how much work it is to that goes into running this national federation. So um, I want to say a big thank you for Carol and all the executive board and and the staff. So thank you. You're wel- and I'll say you're welcome on, on behalf of our organization. So thank you, folks, and, and good luck with everything. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this edition of One Move at a Time, which always drops on the second Tuesday of each month. Our theme music was composed by National Master Alex King of Memphis, Tennessee. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit www.7seasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Our sister podcasts at US Chess are Cover Stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, Ladies' Night, hosted by Women's Program Director Jennifer Shahadi on the third Tuesday of each month, and on the fourth Tuesday, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant National Events Director Pete Karianis. I hope that you have learned something of value that you can now use to help build chess in your own community. We'll be back next month with another Chess World personality who is helping us advance our mission statement to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess.